Good morning, everyone. For anyone who's still standing in the back, feel free to make your way into the sanctuary. And I'd invite you who have seats already to please stand on up and let's worship the Lord together through singing. Let's sing Behold Our God. You may be seated. 
big welcome to everyone who's here this morning. Thank you for singing. All of these parts of the service are all acts of worship, singing, prayer, scripture reading. So I'll be reading Psalm 121 in a paraphrase um, from the message as the call to worship. I look up to the mountains. Does my strength come from the mountains? No, my strength comes from God, who made heaven and earth and mountains. He won't let you stumble. Your guardian God won't fall asleep. Not on your life. Israel's guardian will never doze or sleep. God's your guardian, right at your side to protect you, shielding you from sunstroke, sheltering you from moonstroke. God guards you from every evil. He guards your very life. He guards you when you leave and when you return. He guards you now. He guards you always. Let's pray. God, thank you for this promise that you are with us, watching over us, night and day. Please help us cast aside distractions, um, worries from the week, um, and yet help us just bring our whole selves to you this morning, and that we would be able to accept your love and your grace and forgiveness, and that we would offer, like I said, our whole selves to you. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would be with us to teach and guide us this morning. Amen. Let's sing, Lord, I need you.
we're on a streak of learning new songs. So we have a new song again today. Please stand on up as we sing Graves into Gardens. If anyone listens to Christian radio, you probably have heard this song. Um, and think about the words when we get to the bridges, all of the stories that these lines are kind of alluding to in the Bible. You turn mourning to dancing, you give beauty for ashes, you turn shame into glory, you're the only one who can. You turn graves into gardens, you turn bones into armies, you turn seas into highways, you're the only one who can. So you can think about those Bible stories and just the amazing things that God has done and continues to do.
bridges again. singing church and lastly let's sing holy spirit just another invitation for the spirit to be here and working among us there's nothing worth more that will
seated. Let the worship team go have a seat. And if you could turn in your Bibles to Psalm 121 again, I'll be reading this time from the New International Version. And feel free to um, look that up in your Bible so you can follow along. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Let's pray for the offering. God, thank you for being with us and for providing what we need through the world you have created and through people around us and through the work of our hands. And I pray that the offering that comes in this week um, through Children's Church and through um, donations at the back and, and through other ways of giving, that they would be used well and um, to honor you and build your kingdom in this place. Amen. All right. If you have your bulletins on you, now is the time to pull them out. There's a couple things that we need to look at. First, Wednesday, 2 p.m., there's going to be a prayer meeting here at the church. As always, I encourage you, if you can, to come on out. That is an edifying time spent in prayer for our congregation, for our town, and those close to us, as well as just praising God. So, 2 p.m. on Wednesday. On Sunday, 9.45 a.m., Adult Sunday School is starting, 10.45, Worship Service, Children's Church, and Communion. Next week is a Communion Sunday. And so uh, I'd ask that you get your heart in order for that. If there's anything you need to make right with your neighbor, make right with your neighbor. But that is what's going on next Sunday. Skipping on down, if you are interested in child dedication, we have child dedication there on purpose. We often think of baby dedication, but it's for children as well. If your child has not been dedicated already, what dedication is is you saying as a parent, I will raise this child in the Lord, and us saying as a congregation that we will be there with you for that. And so if you have a child that needs to be dedicated, uh, come talk to me. Or if you are interested in becoming a member, come talk to me as well. I would love to have that conversation. If you are not currently in a small group but want to be, in the back there is a sign up there. And so I'd ask that you put your name down there. Small groups, we're hoping to have those up and going around mid-October, later in October, somewhere in there. So if you are not in a group already, go and sign up. If you are in a small group already, we are going to assume that you want to continue being in that small group. And so you do not need to put your name down if that is the situation. But that is there in the back. Uh, also, if you have kids' toys for ages 0 to 5 uh, that could be used in the church, in the nursery, then contact uh, Carrie Sawatsky about that. Moms and Tots group is going to be starting soon, and so we want to make sure that that room is very well stocked. 
with children's toys. So I would encourage you to talk to her if you have any toys that reach that. Uh, otherwise, if you have any money, talk to her uh, that you would want to put towards buying kids toys. Uh, that would also work. Talk to her as well. Uh, if you're interested in sharing on a Sunday morning, as we have heard a couple times now, then come talk to me. If you have any a story where God is working at your life and that uh, you think would be edifying for the rest of the congregation, then come and talk to me. And I would love uh, to make sure that you get a chance on a Sunday morning to share what God has been up to in your life. Uh, Kids Connect will be starting in November. Uh, if you can help out, talk to Christine Murray. Otherwise, I would ask one way or the other that you pray for Kids Connect. Pray for the people that are involved in it. That is a very important ministry, and it will be starting up in November, and so we want to make sure that we have that prayer base started already, because that is what carries through the rest of the year. That is what keeps the spirits high, that prayer, knowing that you are before God. So I would ask prayer, but also if you are interested in helping out, talk to Christine Murray ASAP. And we are looking for children's church teachers for uh, three different age groups, primarily for the younger students uh, right now. If you are interested in learning more, uh, then talk to Bethany. We're also looking for a Christian ed person. Uh, Bethany could also talk to you a little bit more about what would be entailed with that. Next, you'll see Steve and Cassandra, uh, their contact information is right there, so make sure to put that into uh, any uh, Rolodex that you might have. And one more thing to add, Hope's Journey Home. They are having a pierogi and a sausage fundraiser on October 6th, uh, starting at 4.30. It's going to be at the Austin Hall. Uh, make sure to put that down. Hope's Journey Home, they are looking to build a home that is beside the Prairie Pregnancy Center in Portage, if all works out. And it's for uh, young women that, because they... Uh, are pregnant get kicked out of their house or something like that. That is surprisingly common and so this is an important ministry. Uh, if you look up Hope's Germany Home online, otherwise in the midweek email there is a website uh, that specifically talks about uh, Hope uh, that'll, that'll walk you through the ministry and what they're trying to do. Uh, but otherwise October 6, 4.30 uh, p.m. in Austin, if you are looking for a great meal, then pierogies, farmer sausage, I think pierogies are the potato and the cottage cheese variety. That means that it is a particularly well thought out meal. So October 6th at 4.30 p.m. All right. Any other announcements? All right. Then looking at items of prayer. The first is that this coming Tuesday is going to be the election. We all know this because you cannot turn on the internet or the radio or TV or anything without getting bombarded with just a long list at this point of last minute ads. So we want to pray for that election. We want to pray for the people working uh, the polls that day. We want to pray for the candidates in this last couple uh, moments of them out there on the campaign trail. And most of all, we want to pray for the results that whatever they may be, God will be at work through all things. So we want to pray for the election this coming Tuesday. 
Uh, we want to pray, of course, for our speaker, Wayne Friesen. Uh, he is going to be here today as well as on the 22nd and 29th of October, the 22nd and 29th of October, uh, talking about uh, today anxiety, then depression, and then care. And those are incredibly important topics for the edification and for just teaching us how we can better be brothers and sisters in Christ to other people in our congregation as well as people around us as well. And so uh, we want to pray for him as he speaks and we want to pray for uh, the series as well that we will find that it is equipping us in exactly the way that we need it to be. And we want to pray for truth and reconciliation. As we know, uh, yesterday was Truth and Reconciliation Day after uh, Truth and Reconciliation Week. And being in the church, we have had a serious impact in terrible ways. And we hear that all of the time. And between residential schools and the ongoing relations that we have with our Indigenous f friends and neighbors, this is something that we need to pray about. This is something that we need to learn more about because only then can we actually walk in the direction of beginning to start to make things right. And so we want to pray for that as well. All right. Please bow with me now in a word of prayer. God, we come before you this morning, first off, as always, in prayer. First off, and always in praise, we thank you for the wonderful fall that we've been having so far. Sometimes it doesn't even feel like fall at all, except for the trees changing colors and losing their leaves. And God, we pray that we enjoy that and we remember to enjoy that. September is a busy one for many of us, so busy that we often forget to just get out there and see what you have made. And so, God, we pray that you help us to do that. God, we pray that you help us every moment to rejoice in who you are, and we thank you for this world that you have made. God, let us never forget this. But God, we also come before you with concerns on our heart as well. God, we pray first off for the election. That is this coming Tuesday. God, we pray for the candidates in these last couple moments on the election trail. God, we pray that they will continue to carry on in truth. God, we pray that they will have the strength to make out these last couple days and that when the election actually comes, that you will be with them as they wait for those results to come in. I have no doubt that is one of the most stressful things that anyone can do. God, we pray for the people that are working the polls that day. God, we pray for perseverance. We pray for energy. We pray for safety as they do that important task in our society. And God, most of all, we pray that no matter the outcome, you will be seen at work. No matter the outcome, your kingdom will be built in whatever way it is that it needs to be. God, sometimes 
we get so invested and so wrapped up that we can't possibly see how that will come. But we know, God, that you are bigger and stronger than we think that you are. And so, Lord, we pray, no matter the outcome, work through the upcoming government to make things into how you would have them to be. Lord, we put that before you, and we put our anxiety around that before you. God, we want to pray also, looking around us at the things that we just feel are sometimes so big that we don't know how to address them, and yet we know we need to, God, we put before you truth and reconciliation. God, we repent of the things that are in our hearts that continue to make our relationship with our First Nations neighbors worse. Because we know that it's there. God, we pray that you are with us in self-reflection. God, we pray that you give us the strength for self-reflection, to be open to the criticism that we need on this one, because even if we were not involved from the very beginning, we are your church, and what has done, we are still very much so connected to and need to make right. And so, Lord, we pray in the face of this, guide us, help us to hear, help us to listen, and then help us to act. Lord, we know that you can do all things. And so we pray, help us to follow you. And God, we want to put before you finally Wayne Friesen. We thank you for all of the ways that he has been hard at work building your kingdom, both here in town as well as in Brandon and everywhere that he is. God, we pray as he shares with us today on these most important of topics that you speak through him, that you use what he has to say to edify us, to equip us, so that we will know how to be better brothers and sisters to those around us. God, that we put before you as well. Lord, all of these things we place at your feet. Amen. I'd like to ask Wayne Friesen to come up. Oh, yes, Children's Church Dismissal. You can tell that it's just starting off. So if you are between the ages of 3 to 12, uh, then Children's Church is either, if you're above the ages of 6, right there in the back. Otherwise, go down that way. I think that there's actually a class that you all, you know the process better than I do. Kids, that's where you go. And God, we also want to thank you for the children of our congregation. God, we pray a blessing upon them. We thank you for them, and we pray that they will learn new and wonderful things about you today. And we pray also be with their teachers and give them the words to say, God, thank you. Amen. Now, Wayne Friesen. <laughs>
Well, good morning. Say, so get plugged in. Um, it's really good to be here with you. Um, I'm probably familiar to many of you, and if I'm not, I'll let you know who I am um, and why I'm standing here. Um, so I work with uh, YFC Youth for Christ. I have for 25 years a variety of, of roles, and uh, one of the roles that I do now is uh, staff care. Um, and I work with something called the National Office, meaning that I, I help care for staff across Canada um, in, a, in a few different varieties of ways. And the other things that I do is I work with a counseling practice called Recovery of Hope in Winnipeg. Um, and I've just started doing some mental health um, work with a uh, place called Huddle in Brandon. So I'm kind of here, there, and everywhere these days, it seems. Um, and I live in this town, so if you're, you're, if you're here and you've never seen me, well, now you do. <laughs> but I do live here. Um, I'm married to Julie, and uh, we have our three kids, um, Olivia and Grace and Cooper. And, um, and it's good to be here to talk about the things that I'm going to be talking about. I appreciate the invitation, and I appreciate that your church is... Kind of giving space to some of these things, the reason being is because I think they're very, very pertinent. I think they're very important, and I think that church needs to be a place to be able to talk about the things that are the most important and pertinent in our, in our lives, in our, in our, with our neighbors and our friends. Um, I come here as a counselor, um, and that's where this is going to be coming from. I'm not going to be doing an exegetical deep dive on anxiety to this morning and anything else I talk about. I'm not, it's not that I won't talk about faith. I will. But that's not my main goal. My main goal is to talk about these things in a way that hopefully feels accessible, hopefully feels like it gives you something to relate to, um, to kind of get your hands around and head around. Hopefully it creates some talking points, either for you at home or with, your, with other people in church. Um, and with me, if you want, I'm, I have my email address at the, the last uh, slide, which is just uh, wayne.freezen at yfc.ca, but it'll be up there. Um, and so hopefully what, um, the, the direction and the perspective that I provide is going to be helpful in some way. Um, I haven't signed a contract to be here all three Sundays, so if this goes poorly, you can call an audible and then... Thank you very much. Um, you know, we'll wrap this thing up. But I, I do appreciate the space and time um, to do this. I was in Rivers last week, actually, and I, they, were, they were doing a soul care um, series, and so I spoke on conflict, um, and they had had presentations on grief and presentations on, um, as well as, uh, I don't remember the other one, but just mental health, I think, in general. So I, I, I think what's important to know is that I think that over the last... I don't know how long exactly, let's say 15, 20 years, there has been a, a, a more of an invitation to talk about our emotional health in church. My concern is often, and maybe it's just me, I don't, I don't think it is, often the perspective that happens is people talk about their emotional health once they're in a place that feels a little bit more stable or feels like they are maybe through or past something. And then there feels like there's more of an invitation. I, I, you know, I, I was the, over here, and now I'm over here. 
which is good. We, we, we want to hear people's stories about how they move through things. And the problem potentially can be that there's an implicit message that says you can talk about your emotional health once you're through. But please don't talk about it when you're in it because we don't know exactly what to do with it. So I think it's good to be able to talk about the things. Now, of course, you know, be, to be able to feel like there's a lots of comfort in there and lots of safety for that. But I, I guess my, part of my encouragement for you is to talk to people when you are not your best or feel like you're at your best self. Um, because there's a good chunk of the of recovery and healing from things that comes out of safe spaces. Anyway, so that's my too long of introduction. Um, is this clock accurate? I'd actually, you know, it doesn't matter. I just, I can set a time and go from there. <laughs> as long as it moves, that's the main thing, as long as it moves. Um, so we're, we're going to be talking about anxiety this morning, um, and just kind of a primer uh, on it. You know, we're not going to, you know, it can, this can, of course, it can be a, such an expansive topic, so we're not going to take all the places, but we're going to take some of them, and hopefully at a place where that does feel helpful for you. Um, is it okay if I put this up here? You know, and I, I laugh at times because I ask for permission, <laughs> but what are you going to do? Um, Probably, probably nothing. Um, so a quick introduction, making sure I'm linked up there. Um, so anxiety is very complex. You know, it's not, it, 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 we can't cover it all this morning, of course, um, but what we will, do want to cover is hopefully the high points and hopefully, again, it helps something that helps you make sense. But by no means am I going to cover everything that anxiety entails this morning. Um, and the second part is, um, and I, don't, I don't want you to, this to be hopefully stick a little bit for you, is anxiety can also be referred to as alarm. And the reason why that can be important um, is a couple different reasons, and we'll talk about the whole idea of alarm in just a second, but it can help people feel like it's less um, stigmatizing, I think, at, at times. Or when we talk about alarm, it can feel like it's less a problem and more of something that's happening. Um, so I just want to kind of stick that out there for you, and we'll talk about that in a second. And that's a Gordon Neufeld. I'll, I'll refer to Gordon Neufeld um, this morning other times. And he's a developmental psychologist out of uh, Vancouver. And um, unfortunately, he's written very little. Um, but he, and his, the way he kind of sends out his information is through, through parenting, uh, a lot of parenting courses. But all this stuff, it's focused on parents and caregivers, but it's just a cradle-to-the-grave experience, a lot of the things that he talks about. So a lot, if I'm not actively referring to Gordon Neufeld, he's sprinkled through all here, so I don't want to take any credit for, for things that aren't mine. Um, so what is anxiety and alarm? So the thing is that alarm is something that happens to us. Um, like all of our emotions. All of our emotions are things that happen to us. Um, we don't choose them. And if you even think of stuff like, like joy, even the things that we, we enjoy about our emotions, like joy and uh, love, um, we, we don't really choose to feel love. It's just a byproduct of often the things that we're doing or the circumstances we're in. Um, and so our emotions are something that happen to us. That's not to abdicate a responsibility and saying, well, you know, my emotions got the best of me, which sometimes we say, but we, we have choice in our emotions, but 
but the emotions start out in a very place where they, they um, are created and happen to us. Um, and they provide lost information. Um, so I'm going to use my hand as a handy little, I wasn't going to say handy, uh, brain model, because uh, that's too punny. Uh, but if this is my uh, brain looking at you, and these are my eyes, right? My fingers represent something called a neocortex. So this will be a little bit nerdy, um, but it's important. Uh, the neocortex is what we see in pictures of the brain that have you know, blue, um, kind of gray squiggly lines, right? So that's kind of outside the brain, and lots of really wonderful things happen there. We can think through things. We plan executive functioning and planning, you know, being able to say, um, you know, this is what I'm going to wear today at church and driving here. That all happened in the neocortex, okay? So it's a very, very important uh, part of our brain to be able to think through things. If I flip that up, this is something called the limbic system. Now, and it's not to proportion, but the limbic system is, has a, is a collective, uh, a collection rather, uh, of brain parts. And there's a couple different important pieces there. One is called the amygdala. Now, the amygdala is like the smoke alarm of the brain. It's always on. It's always active, and it's always helping us be vigilant about things that are potentially threatening. Threatening means um, not just our physical safety, but also our emotional, psychological safety. So those two things, emotional, psycho and, uh, emotional psychological, physical safety, that's, that's on par, right? We, the same kind of things that get um, resourced in us when we feel threatened physically are the same things that happen when us um, when, when you're uh, emotionally or psychologically threatened. That's very, very important um, because it gives us the appreciation for how incredibly serious our brain takes our emotional and psychological safety. Um, it, put, it, it trumps almost everything. And that's something important that we'll kind of touch on here and there, something for you to just recall. So our limbic system, this is where our, our emotions are created, okay? Um, for the most part. And if, you ha if this is my spinal cord, the limbic system, and actually there's two, there's each one on each uh, hemisphere of the brain. And what happens is when an emotion is created, it goes down into our, um, our, physical, our physical body and then back up into our cognition. So what actually happens first is we feel our emotions first and then we think about them. Now, it all happens this fast, right? So it's not like it's a big, slow process. But sometimes when, when I'm talking with people and they'll say, like, yeah, I really don't notice anything, you know, from the neck down, there's nothing actually happening. And what I always say is there's lots happening from the neck down. You just don't feel it. You just don't see it. The awareness just isn't there. But there's lots happening. So our physical body is the first place where our emotions are, are registered. And then we actually kind of make sense of them um, in our inner uh, in our mind. Um, but that's very, very important because it, it's one of the reasons why we feel, when we talk about anxiety or alarm, it's one of the reasons we feel so much in our body. This morning when I was um, getting ready uh, in the morning and, uh, you know, I wasn't super nervous about coming here. You know, lots of familiar faces. You know, I know my material pretty well. Um, don't have to go anywhere, drive anywhere. Not that I don't mind driving, but you know, there's, it's easy to get to. But I was not thinking, I don't have to do this. Uh, I was not thinking super clear, right? I would go to some place to, I was going to go get my computer, and I 
go to, into a room, I have to stop. Why am I here? Oh, yeah, this. And I go over there, and, I, I, and you know, I was moving a lot more. I was, you know, um, I mean, I'm, I move a lot anyways, but even extra, and not quite thinking what I was doing. I was preoccupied, right? I was making, making some breakfast, but very preoccupied with this morning. Um, so when we have these things in our body, they, you know, the last, um, this, the third point there, our, our alarm has a very high priority, and it really arrests our attention. And what I mean by that is that it's kind of like, I mean, we've all experienced this, right? So we, you know, I, I'm not talking about anything that you don't know, but sometimes it's good to be able to kind of be explicit about it. But it's like, you know, being in a, um, being in a bush, let's say, that you know maybe, you know, well, there's, um, you know, there's big animals, you know, maybe, maybe you're in a, in a place that's uh, up north that has bears or whatever. And, you know, I remember, I remember very clearly being camping at, Lake the Prairies, Mississippi. And there's a fair number of bears there, right? And I just remember going down the pathway at night to the bathroom, right? Just feeling like I'm, I'm about to be eaten. Um, and every little rustle, you know, what does it do? Where do you, where, when you hear a rustle in a tree, where, do your, what is your, where does your head go? Boom, over there, right? Um, when we have something that we are anxious about, we're alarmed about, it arrests our attention. And it's really difficult to think through things. Uh, a good example, I think, if, if you can't think one yourself, which you probably can, but one example I, I always go back to, it's like if you were expecting someone, maybe your child, maybe your partner, maybe somebody that you care about, you're expecting them home at 10 o'clock. And it's 10.15, they're not home yet. It's 10.30, you're not home yet. And this is before, you know, where we could just find your location so we can't see, you know, you can't just see where they are, right? And it's, now it's 10.45, now it's 11, now it's 11.30, and, no, and they're not home yet. And you haven't heard from them. How likely would it be if you were thinking, you know, if that, that was happening to you, how likely would it, you be able to sit down with a book and crack it open and be able to just calmly read through the book? How much information would you be able to process? How much of the story would you be able to tell back to someone? Very, very little chances are. Right? Why? Because your attention is very much elsewhere. And, and that's, the, that's the whole idea of what uh, alarm does for us. It provides our way of getting our attention to what is alarming. Um, I won't go through that, that last one there. Um, so this is one source of anxiety. So I'm going to focus on one source here um, to try to kind of distill a focus um, and that, we're going to talk about the idea of separation as a source of anxiety. Uh, so separation is a gap between us and an attachment or something we can't avoid or control. What I mean by that is, and here's the story I'll, I'll always tell about this. Um, my, this is a, a co-worker that I used to have, and, um, and I got permission to tell a story. Um, all my stories, if I tell a story about anyone, in, in a session, I've always asked for permission, just so, just so you know. Um, and so he was with his family, and they were at the um, Winter Fair in Brandon. They were leaving the Keystone Center, and you know, it's kind of a, a long ramp down right to the doors. And so he's got, has his wife and his two kids, who are about four and six at the time. And so lots of people are leaving at the same time. So he gets separated from his wife, 
And she, he thinks that they have their four-year-old daughter. She thinks that he has a four-year-old daughter. Nobody has their four-year-old daughter. Um, and so they're walking down, and, and co-workers, he's a tall guy, he's six foot nine, so he can see over everybody. And as he's walking down, he sees this flash of blonde by the front doors. And he just th thinks for a second, that really looks like Kylie. No, oh, but she, she's back with Vicky. And then a minute later, as they keep on running, walking down towards the doors, suddenly his daughter is running upstream of people, wide-eyed, bawling, and just like in full panic. So thankfully, it's right close to him, and he reaches down and grabs her, and, and it's all okay. But that is the picture of what separation does for our systems. And we, as parents, we've all seen our kids, you know, maybe they're lost, or maybe they get scared, right? And, and what do they do when they, especially the younger they are, the more pronounced this is, right? Um, they come to find us. Separation creates energy. Separation creates alarm, rather. Alarm is energy, right? Again, when I say energy, I just mean physical kinetic energy that we all feel when we are alarmed, right? When we are stressed about something, when we are anxious about something, there is energy in our system. And often it feels either like, um, you know, maybe we can't sit still, it feels jangly, it feels like um, we want to do something, and that doing might be get, you know, getting close to it or further away from it. But separation always creates alarm. Alarm always creates energy in order to close the gap. So when, when Sean's daughter was trying to find her parents because she was scared because she was legitimately lost, she was separated from, from them. Um, and her body created a whole bunch of energy to try to close the gap. Now, very chaotic. She wasn't, I mean, at four, you don't really think through things anyways, right? But she wasn't able to sit down and go, if I just say by the door, they'll probably come walking by. The best thing for me is just to stay put, right? So that's what alarm does for us. It doesn't allow us to think clearly. It arrests our attention and it closes, to try to close the gap. And and that's a very, very important piece to, to appreciate about this because our body is trying to do something good for us. It might not feel good in the time, but it is recognizing some kind of separation as trying to close the gap. Now, how does that affect us as we get older, right? So, you know, most of us aren't necessarily, um, you know, we probably won't go, you know, running uh, through a crowd to find our partner if we get separated. Um, maybe, maybe not. Um, but what does that look like, you know, what is, as, as we get older? Because this is, again, so we, we see it so clearly when, when we're little, right? And those experiences are cradle to the grave experiences. So we get more civilized with this, but really it doesn't change that much. And here's, and I'll, we'll talk about why here. Um, here we go, that's better. Um, so that third point, we feel alarm when we don't have proximity with an attachment. What I mean by attachment is, it's kind of, I won't go into it, it's kind of a fancy word for relationship. Uh, but it is more pronounced than that, and it is more powerful than that, it is a biological drive. So, the same thing when thinking about, um, you know, Sean's daughter, um, Sean and Vicky, her parents, were her, are her attachments, right? That is where she goes to find safety and security, um, and it's a biological drive to get back to our attachment, okay? 
again, cradle to the grave experience. It looks different as we, we age, but, it's, but I am attached to my wife, right? And, and there's a, there is a, a drive there that I want to be close, not only physically, but also the emotional, psychological part becomes more pronounced, right? We see this with, with our teenagers, where they, they are moving away from us physically. They don't really want to be around us as, as much as when they were five, probably. But there is that emotional and psychological closeness that they still long for and they still need. So it, it switches from a, a kind of a physical um, attachment to more of a psychological emotional attachment. If that, hopefully that's clear. Um, and we can be attached to lots of different things. And, and there's lots of different things in life that we, we cannot avoid. Um, those things are... Some of these examples are. So these are things that we cannot avoid in life and that we cannot sometimes can, we cannot control in life. Um, I'm just going to run through the list and I'll kind of touch on a couple of them. So the idea of being liked, being invited into another person's presence. Um, separation from relationships. You know, people moving away. People being in a hospital that we can't be with and can't see. Lots of different examples of that. Life transitions, health, aging, um, our, ch- our children aging, right? That's a, that's a, those are transitions we cannot control. We cannot avoid, hopefully, right? We, we, we want this, right? Um, my daughter Grace graduated from, from high school and she moved to uh, Providence to go to college, right? And, um, and someone I, I was ch- chatting with just said, oh, that must be kind of hard to, to see her go. And I said, yeah, it is. You know, we, we're, we're going to really miss her. And it's, it's exactly what should be happening, right? So we're glad for this. And it's, it's, it's also hard at the same time. We can't avoid that. Um, you know, we don't, we don't want to avoid that. But it's still hard. Um, mortality and death. I mean, it's clear. We know this. And the reason I bring it up is because it's probably the most pronounced thing we can't avoid. But we sure try. We sure try not thinking about it and not, not even exposing ourselves to it at times. Um, being wanted, being chosen, being pursued. What I mean by being pursued is that someone coming after us. Sometimes we, we cannot control that. We cannot control if someone wants to be with us. We cannot control if someone wants to like us. We cannot control sometimes of being out of a, a circle. And those are hard things. You know, and we see them, again, more pronounced with our kids at times. But as adults, I think that's pretty universal where at times we feel out. And, and maybe it's even at times with our, with our, our marriages, whatever it might be. Um, so there's lots of things that can create um, alarm in us because we can't control them. These things, <laughs> I, you know, increasingly so, I need reading glasses. And, um, and on Wednesday, I had a hearing test. Um, you know, I should really be getting hearing aids. Um, and that is something that I am, in some ways, trying to avoid. But it's one of those things where, where that, for me, I'm not really, this, this doesn't really create anxiety for me or alarm for me. But that being said, it's that, you know, I just had that conversation with myself the other day. It's like, hmm. So what's the next thing that's going to start failing, 
right? What's the next thing that I'm not, I don't have control over certain parts of my, my, my system that are going to start wearing out and wearing down, right? That's a process of, of aging. Um, and, and those kind of things can create alarm. So there's all sorts of things in life that we cannot avoid, we cannot control, and that creates separation for us. And so here's a little bit of a, a traffic circle. This is a, this is a Gordon Neufeld thing for sure. He does lots of traffic circles. Um, so quickly, when you see alarm coming into the traffic circle, and again, always picture this you know, from, the, from the perspective and the view of, of energy. Again, physical connect, uh, kinetic energy that we feel. So we are alarmed by something, and energy gets into our system. Now, sometimes when we're alarmed by something, let's say that I'm going to the bathroom at Lake the Prairies in the middle of the night and I hear a rustle in the bush, right? Well, I am moved to caution. That's the bottom area. What that means is to, to separate myself from the thing that's alarming. So, rustle in bushes, well, maybe I don't have to go, to go to the bathroom that bad. And back to my tent I go, right? So now I have a separation between me and the, uh, or a gap between me and the things that it's alarming. I don't have to feel anxious anymore, right? So we do that all the time, right? Where maybe, you know, we, we're nervous about driving on ice and we look outside and it's like, oh, I think it's going to snow today. Oh, and we start feeling that, that energy rising up and that tightness and the tension. And, and then we think, I, I don't need to go to Brandon that bad, Portage that bad. I can, work, I can do this uh, a different day. <sighs> we avoid that. Now, the things that we talk about, though, when we talk about things to, uh, we can avoid, the things that we cannot control, and the things that we are separate from, um, then that caution gets blocked off, right? I cannot be moved to caution to not have my body start to wear out. That's impossible. And most of the things that I, all, almost all the things that I talked about before in the other slide, I cannot avoid or control. I cannot be moved to caution. So what happens is, there's a couple different things where this um, gets resolved. And part of it is that that idea of resolution and um, relief, that's the word I want to use. So when, when I go see Bethany for a massage, okay, what happens is I go in and I say, my shoulder's been really bugging me. And so one of the things that Bethany does is, is you know, she'll, she'll start kind of working around the area. And if I say, oh, that's really, really tight there, she doesn't like, jump away and completely abandon my, my right shoulder. What does she do? She goes actually into it further and deeper in a controlled way, which increases my, dis my discomfort before it starts resolving, ideally, right? <laughs> ideally. Um, and before I've you know, finally made the appointment, what have I been doing? Well, I've been popping Advil. I've been using my, my right arm less. I've been avoiding you know, using this at all. And that which has brought relief, but no resolution. Once I go to see Bethany, then it brings resolution. Right? And often that's when the things when talking about alarm is that we do things that provide relief, but not a lot of resolution. And what I want to focus on today is, is, in the last five minutes that we're together, is this idea of futility. Um, 
And we're also going to be, so the good thing is, you know, you might, I'm not going to answer all your, all your questions about this this morning. The good thing is when we talk about depression, this is also going to be, be part of it. So this is all going to tie together. Um, futility just means that something isn't working and I can't make it work and nobody can make it work. I cannot make work my eyes to go back 10 years. I can't do it. Nobody can do it. Um, I can't make my hearing go back, well, who knows how many years. <laughs> it would take 25 years before you know, I, I was satisfied with it. Um, there's nothing I can do about that. right? That's a futility. Um, so a futility is something we bump into and we cannot avoid. You know, and and the, the, probably the clearest thing that we know is death. Death is a futility that we cannot do anything about. I can't do anything about it. Nobody can do anything about it. When someone's gone, they're gone. And we, we know that. And yet, that's a whole kind of different topic in some ways about grief, is that we, we often try to get around the futility. Because futility is really hard. Because it takes a lot of vulnerability to feel futility. Um, because sadness and disappointment are very vulnerable and very tender. And it, sometimes they're not easily to access. So what I mean by this is that um, sadness and disappointment, they move us through futility. So when, so trying to give this, this scenario um, a little bit. Um, let me give my scenario after I've done the, this slide. So sadness moves us through futility. Um, it resolves alarm that provides some rest and relief. So avoiding the things that are alarming for us and not engaging in them, that provides, oh, I don't have to do that anymore. Um, but it doesn't resolve it. It just brings relief from it, right? But sadness and disappointment, in other words, meeting the futility of that, I can't do anything about this, that provides the relief. Um, uh, no, sorry, resolution. <laughs> Better not get those words uh, mixed up. Uh, enables a letting go of trying to control or avoid that which alarms. And we talk, we use these phrases a lot, right? I just got to let it go. You just have to let it go. Somebody has to let it go. And the, the thing, and it's, there's a lot of truth to it, but it's not as simple as just saying it and having a cognitive idea of letting something go or letting someone go. Um, it is, when you go back into the idea of the, um, there's a lot of stuff that's happening in our bodies. It's really in terms of our emotional states. Letting go is a very physical act of being able to feel it, not just think about it, which, again, we'll talk about that in the future. But I want to just kind of throw that out to you. Um, so here's my, my example. Um, I think for myself, this kind of, kind of came to my head in like 2014. 2014 was like my worst year in YFC. Um, I was just so scrambled on, like, maybe I should get out. Maybe I should, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, and mainly it was around, it wasn't about the work. It was mainly around, you know, YFC's funding model is, is um, its staff raise their own uh, salaries. So, which is, which is what I do, have been doing it for a long time. Um, and even up in, you know, 2014, so that's like nine years ago. So I was with YFC for 15, 16 years. 
And really, I, it had gone very, very well. And there was nothing impending that my funding was going to dry up or that people were going to stop giving. There was nothing in terms of facts that were showing me. But I had the impending doom of, this isn't going to work anymore. What if people stop giving? What am I going to do then? I'm not going to get a paycheck. And it was just this, it was just this cycle of where I, was, I would get really panicky and really anxious and lots of energy. And where that energy went for me, I would like dive into um, looking for the jobs. So like if you looked at my search uh, engine, it would just be like full of, you know, all the different job places. Like there must be somewhere else I can go. It's because that's where I was moving. And I, then I kind of feel better for a little while and then it get worse and I'm going round and round and round. And what I had to recognize, it was kind of the end of the year, and it was through a few different things um, and a few different conversations that I had, but it was that recognition of what was creating a big separation for, for me wasn't necessarily the, the funding model that YSC had. It was my relationship and my attachment to being and feeling secure. And that's something that is, I know that for me is a, is a driving thing. Is, is, um, I want to feel secure financially. I want to feel secure in other, other areas of life, of course. But I think that's where it kind of shows up. And so it was this idea that by having a different job where I didn't have to raise money and depend on other people's generosity, then I'd feel better. And as I, throughout the, the end of that year, I remember thinking to myself, because I would, I would um, you know, and actually I think I did, I, no, I, not just I think, I know I did apply for some jobs at um, uh, Addictions Foundation of Manitoba. And then I remember thinking to myself, wait, it's a government organization Governments cut budgets all the time. What if I get hired there? What if they cut my, my position? And it was just this realization. And, it, and as I say it right now, it was like it kind of slowly started soaking in from the top down. And it was like, I can't escape this. I cannot guarantee my security. I cannot control it, and I might not totally be able to avoid something bad happening to my financial security. Which, of course, you know, as I say that, I mean, most of you will go, well, yeah, of course, Wayne. But it's one of those things, when we are really attached to something, it's when we realize that we cannot control and, and, and we may not be able to avoid it, that was where my, my um, anxiousness was really coming from. And my futility in that was my futility in that was I can't guarantee it. Nobody can guarantee it. And it was just this huge disappointment. And it was it was it was very very difficult. But what it did for me is it allowed me to feel the futility of it, which brought re, um, resolution to the anxiety and alarm about it. I hope that kind of makes sense. This isn't, this isn't a template for all of our anxieties, okay? I don't want to simplify it. I don't want to narrow it down too much. And I also would say um, that one of the questions that I would, I would take is, if you, when you struggle, and I want to say there are times when my anxiety about security goes up again. It's not like, it's not like a one and done thing, right? Just like 
Because in lots of ways, I, facing futility is grieving it. And grief is not a one-and-done thing. Right? My dad died 20 years ago. Uh, 21 years ago this year. And, and I remember... <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> when we, we were moving my mom to Victoria Place and just going through stuff and going through things and some things about, of, of my dad's were, were in her drawers, right? Oh, that was heavy. You know, it's like I hadn't seen my dad for 21 years. Um, and, but the, uh, suddenly the grief started coming back, right? Which is okay, which is normal. So it's not a one and done thing. When we face futility, it's not a one and done thing, just like losing a loved one is not a one and done thing. Um, but it provides a longer resolution and not just relief. So again, it's not a, this, this isn't the, the total template for all anxiety. My question for you is, if you struggle at times with anxiety, is ask yourself, what am I, um, what creates the alarm in terms of what am I being separate from? What am I trying to avoid or control? Um, and and maybe in some ways, one thing about this is that I didn't include is that anxiety also sometimes shows up more like anger and frustration. So sometimes people say, I'm not anxious at all, but I'm mad all the time. Well, maybe it's actually masquerading as, as anger. Because anger is a, lot more, um, is a lot less vulnerable to feel than, than anxiety. Anyway. Um, so, uh, we're going to talk more about this in the future, so it's going to be, you know, like, <laughs> maybe that's a theme of my, all my talks, I don't know, with me saying, we're going to talk about it later. Uh, it's like, well, when's later coming? Um, but how to help? You know, how do you help, I think, yourself and as well as other people? But <clears throat> I, I, I'll leave it out here. I'm not going to go through it all, but one of the things to bring the faith perspective into it a little bit, is that, like, I recognize that the Bible says, do not be afraid a lot. I think it's like over a hundred times. I think that's what, that's what Google told me, okay? What I want to suggest to you is maybe reframing it in a way that perhaps it's different than what you nor normally notice when you read those verses. Because very often, I think, I've read them in the past as being uh, shaking a finger in my face and more of an indictment of do not be afraid, right? Which, you know, how well does that usually work for someone who's anxious, right? Stop being anxious. <laughs> not super well, usually. Usually increases their, their anxiety. I wonder if, and I think, you know, like, as a parent, maybe for the parents here, you know, when, you're, when you've been your best self in your parenting career, right, and where, for the, where the stars have aligned and you just feel like you have the most space for your kids and it's like the most time and the most energy and the most focus, when they've been anxious or, or scared of something, like, what do you do with them, right? You draw them close, right, and you offer, you offer your undivided presence. And I think that's what God's saying. I think that's what Jesus says when, when he says, do not be afraid. I think there's so much grace and mercy 
And I think there's so much presence. And I don't think there's an indictment. I think there's a huge invitation to find some kind of rest. And that's all. That, that's about as preachy as I'll get this morning. Um, that's my email. Feel free to email me any kind of questions, concerns, things you totally disagree with. Um, I won't answer those. Um, just kidding. I will. Um, <laughs> um, but if, if there's anything at all, like feel free to... Um, I'm sometimes tardy with, with e- replying to emails. Okay, so I'll just say that. So um, feel free if I don't answer you in two or three days to nudge me. Right? That's sometimes necessary. But Can I... Um, I don't know how you do, usually do it. Can I just... Um, is, you have a song? Yeah. So I'll just read my, my closing right now, if that's okay. Um, this is from a book called um, Common Courage by um, K.J. Ramsey. And she starts with a, uh, a passage from Luke 22. It says, uh, and this is, you know, we know this passage from Jesus in Gethsemane. Uh, Jesus says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, she prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. O God, who cried for relief in the garden, your tears have shown me that faithfulness does not mean fearlessness. Help me see my fear as the seedbed of faith. Uncurl my fingers to sow my anxieties in the soil of your trustworthiness. Remind me that this dirt where I kneel to tend to both my ordinary needs and my extraordinary hopes for myself and the world is a place you kneeled before me. Help me me plant peace where others sow suspicion. Grow my love for wholeness to be fiercer than my fear of evil. I'm going to open my eyes this day to see both the news and the needs as sacred ground. And together, we will plant gardens. Amen. Please stand as we sing our closing song. And I guess it's maybe a little bit um, of a different tone, but it also reminds us of of God's presence um, throughout history and through our lives. To God be the glory.
Thank you very much, Wayne. For our benediction, we turn to the book of Philippians. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Go now and serve our wonderful God. Great.